I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Welcome to the Abundant Beans Podcast. I'm Jamie O'Kane. Um, founder of Abundant Beans Tax and Accounting, where we believe you should keep more of what you earn. And the way we accomplish that is through proactive tax planning. Today, we have Jim Kiernan. Jim is a strategic partner at Schooly Mitchell. Schooly Mitchell is a cost reduction consulting business that helps reduce expenses in the areas of telecommunications, shipping, credit card processing, waste collection, and e-signature services. Welcome. Thanks, Jamie. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you in a few months. Yeah, it has. You know, I think, uh, you know, the crazy season that we just experienced, if you can call it a season. Um, it was like 18 months. Made, it's still yeah, reeling. <laughs> awfully quickly, didn't it? It did. It did. Also, it was real long at the same time, right? It went real fast, but also, you know, we actually saw some friends uh, this last weekend that we haven't seen in like 18 plus months. And like all the kids are like five feet taller and we're just like, wow, is it really like, it? like we know it's been that long, but like, has it really been that long? It's just kind of surreal. Yeah. All right. So, go ahead. I was just saying, and then being able to actually get out and, and do things, you mm-hmm. know, what seems like a normal way just feels like freedom. It feels like a, you know, relief to be able to go. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel like I have a little agoraphobia now. Um, I'm like, Ooh, people. Hmm. Not sure. Not sure about people. <laughs> when before I'd be like, oh, y'all want hugs? All right, come on in, you know, come on in. But no, we don't. Not, not sure. anymore. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, so Jim, first questions first. What was your first job? Uh, my first job was at a movie theater, actually. Um, I started off in concessions, worked my way into um, selling tickets then became a projectionist um, and then ended up being assistant manager. And honestly, the only reason I was assistant manager is because the real manager didn't want to have to close on the weekends. Um, So I'm showing the movie anyway, as a projectionist. So, you know, I ended up as a 16 year old being the assistant manager of a movie theater. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, yeah, that was my first paying job that um, came outside of cash. Right. It's, a, it's always funny how like those first jobs too it's like you move up really fast <laughs> it's like right because I was like busting tables and then I was making tortillas and then I was bartending you know then I was serving and then I was bartending and then I was like I'm assistant manager and you're like but wait a minute I have to go to college right. now <laughs> <laughs> right but mostly because I didn't want to close but I wanted us to close right yeah mm-hmm. yep. so give us the rundown on your career journey um, you know, so I, I, after being a, um, assistant manager at a movie theater, um, you know, I, I actually ended up kind of falling into telecommunications. I, um, I went to work for MCI, um, which is a long distance carrier out of college. Um, and that was really kind of the, the, the baseline for my career, um, growth and career, career journey, if you will. Um, you know, I got to do a bunch of different things from, uh, you know, running sales teams to running product marketing teams. And, and, you know, it really established kind of the, the foundation for the steps I took after that and, and spent, 
you know, 25 years in, in sales leadership roles in the tech industry and telecom. Um, and, you know, and tried to expand on that over time. So I went from telecom to kind of IT into consulting. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm far enough along in my career journey where I had to kind of decide what the last portion of that looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's how I ended up here at Schooley Mitchell because, um, you know, I'd always thought about going into business for myself, but frankly, I didn't have the courage. Um, and, uh, and I, and I was looking at a way to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I had worked in corporate America my whole career. How do I go from corporate America to running my own business? Um, and I found Schooley Mitchell, um, and it was a great um, balance of risk and reward, right? Because Schooley Mitchell is a franchise-based um, consulting business. So I had the, the um, history and the foundation and the processes and systems um, and resources of the franchise, mm-hmm. but am able to run it on my own. So I'm kind of on an interesting part of that journey because I never really thought I'd be here and I'm so happy that I am. Um, so it's, it's so cool that I actually got here and frankly ended up somehow bringing together the courage to make it happen. <laughs> That's a huge leap. I think it's, it's actually always funny to me when I have like upper level corporate execs be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna start a business, a small business. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> You know, I've always worked, like I've always worked with small businesses and I didn't know what I was going to get, what I was getting myself into. And it is, it's a leap. Um, but there are so many options. And I always like tell people that too, like you could buy a franchise and some of them are like DIY or some of them will like literally hand you everything or buy an established business. Or like, there's a lot of ways to become a business owner. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like, I had $10. <laughs> And I started a business like that just doesn't have to like, it doesn't have to be that way. Some of us have to do it that way just because that's how we roll. But, you know, it sounds like you were because of your background, you were able to take the processes and systems that were built for you and you could, you know, you didn't have to do that from the ground up. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really a great combination because I, you know, I've been a consultant. I've been, you know, working with businesses um, for most of my career. But I never did it where, you know, my name was 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 out there in front. Right. It was the only thing there. Um, So and what what I found is the runway to, um, you know, whatever success is or whatever your business goals are Mm -hmm. uh, was was a little shorter with this approach as opposed to, like you said, starting with 10 bucks. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, although COVID certainly interrupted or lengthened that us. Um, in some <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah. So um, how, so just kind of talk about School of Mental and what your consulting work is. I'm going to get in some of the nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah. So um, School of Mitchell is a, is a cost reduction consulting firm, which means we, you know, we exclusively focus on cost savings for our business clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, um, so how do we do that, right? So we work in, as, as I maybe mentioned earlier, we work in kind of expense categories that aren't top of mind. So things like telecommunications, right? Mm-hmm. Office phone, wireless phone, internet access, hosting. Um, we do, we, we work on waste and recycling, um, shipping and courier services, credit card processing, mm-hmm. e-signature solutions like DocuSign, 
and Adobe Sign. And um, we've recently added a bunch of utility services. Um, so I mentioned that because business owners oftentimes don't look at those expense categories very closely, or they don't think they can even negotiate those. Mm -hmm. So we look at those expense categories, and then we look for cost savings opportunities. How do we do that? Um, we, we literally audit their invoices. Um, we collect three, six, nine months worth of their invoices and look for optimization opportunities, things like features they're not using. Um, we look for billing errors and then ultimately look to negotiate better rates on their behalf. Um, and then we bring forward a recommendation um, based on our analysis and audit work. Um, and it typically involves better rates from their existing vendors and um, one or two alternative vendors. So cost savings recommendations. Um, and then at that point, our clients get to decide whether they wanna move forward with our implement, with our recommendation or not, mm -hmm. right? Um, if they choose not to move forward, then we've given them a great cost analysis and um, we look for maybe future opportunities that we can work together. Mm -hmm. If they do elect um, to accept one of our recommendations, then we do all the implementation work that's associated with it, right? So if it involves changing vendors, then we, we interface with those vendors to move services. If it involves just moving from one contract structure to another with an existing vendor, then we take care of that uh, for them as well. Okay. Now, here's the thing that I think makes Schoolie Mitchell different. We don't charge any fees for that upfront analysis work. Um, uh, the only time we charge a fee is after we deliver actual savings to our client. And our fee is based on that savings. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, really a very um, no risk, no obligation environment for our clients. And, um, you know, frankly, it works really well because like I said, they get that analysis work up front then they get to make the decision whether or not they want to move forward with mm -hmm. one, or, one or all of our recommendations. I like it. So what are some of the top costs that business owners are, are paying too much or to get better rates for? I'm sorry. What are some of the top costs that well, they so, um, work with? You know, so the, the, the high cost items oftentimes are things like um, internet access and phone service, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so the telecommunications um, expense categories, uh, you know, we're on Zoom right now, right? Mm -hmm. How many people um, didn't have a Zoom account before COVID, right? And how many people and how many businesses um, expanded the, the use of that over the last 15 to 18 months? Um, mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes without paying close attention to how much they purchased or how much they used. Mm -hmm. So that's often a very, very high cost item things like hosting, um, conferencing, um, and internet access and wireless usage. So that's generally a high dollar um, category. Uh, a place where we're able to save fairly significant money on a percentage basis is in waste and recycling. Um, you know, that's not always a huge dollar expense um, for a business, but they're often paying way too much for it. So when we come in and renegotiated, the percentage of savings, for example, is much greater. Um, and then the third one is, I mean, credit card processing fees are very complicated and, and a high cost element if, if all or most of your revenue is being generated through credit card transactions. Mm -hmm. um, 
So for a business that, you know, maybe does two or $3 million a year in revenue, three to 4% of that can be paid out to their credit card processing fees. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So that that's, that's a class we're always keeping an eye on. Um, and it's always funny to me though, cause I feel like people get hung up on that one, but also like depending on who their processor, are, processor is and like that, so I assume one of the things you guys are looking at with cost is like, you know, there's different elements to a cost, right? There's how much time it might save us, you know, or, you know, is it what's ease of use, you know, or, you know, what does the reporting look like? Like, I like to talk about the credit card one a lot, just because a lot of our clients use QuickBooks Online. And if they're using QuickBooks Online processing, it takes out less steps and it can do automatic, you know, like, I don't even know what I pay, but all of our stuff is on recurring with our, with our proposal company and I don't even have to touch it. So like, right. it's like, hands off. <laughs> I could do, you know, four hours of invoicing every month or they could just run it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like that cost benefit of, you know, what is the service and understanding, you know, am I getting a high benefit or some other benefit from the cost? And you guys help with that? We do. We do. So we'll look at what that integration is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and oftentimes you'll, you'll, you'll experience is that the more integration there is, mm -hmm. the more hidden costs there are. Yeah, that's right? true. Because the sim um, simplicity of use and efficiencies that go mm -hmm. with it, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that trade-off? So we'll look at figuring out a way to um, pull out those credit card processing fees from the integration, mm -hmm. renegotiate those, and then plug them back in to the integration platform, right? Yeah. So, um, because, you know, we, we find that often that, that whether it's QuickBooks or any other services, I know you work with a lot of veterinarians, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of veterinarians have that integration with their patient yeah. software yeah. and that's expensive. It right? is expensive. No. And that's, and that's it too, is a lot of the time the software has the processing on the back so that they can make all the money on all the things you know, the people who sold them the software and the computers and the thing they can make money on, you know, level everything you touch, right? Which makes sense. Like it's a great business model, but you don't really recognize those costs, you know, or as yeah. that, like I'm spending all, spending, paying all of these dollars to this one vendor. Or, or you do see it. So the other thing that we find is they'll break those costs out, right? They'll mm -hmm. break out the credit card processing fee and they'll show it that it's, it doesn't actually work this way, but let's just say for discussion that it shows mm -hmm. it's 2%. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not actually 2%. They're just hiding some of that cost somewhere else and bundling it together. So, mm -hmm. but it looks like it's really low. So you don't ask the question about, well, you know, should I, should I be paying less or am I paying too much kind of thing? Yeah. It's interesting with the credit card processing. I always feel like there's like a, you have to process with them for a while before they'll talk to you about <laughs> a, a, like a rate reduction. Does that work? With, like, I'm sure you guys come in there like, you're like, no, let me talk to them. <laughs> well, yeah. So that, that's true. So that's a good example, right? So people mm -hmm. think business owners think, oh, I can't negotiate that because I just started with this vendor. Mm -hmm. um, generally credit card processing fees, since we're on the subject, they don't involve a long-term contract with the processing company, right? Mm -hmm. There's no benefit to having a long-term contract oftentimes, mm -hmm. right? So, so you do, you feel like, oh, I have to stick with them for a while before I can get a better rate. Well, mm -hmm. that's not the case at all. Um, you can, because there's no term agreement generally, 
you could switch to another vendor right away. Mm-hmm. The only time where that gets complicated again is that integration. Mm-hmm. So if you have a bunch of point of sale terminals and a bunch of other equipment, and a bunch of other software, and now I'm trying to pull it out from the processor, that's where it gets to be difficult. Yeah, it's a lot of time and implementation. <laughs> It's like sometimes it's just easier to pay it, right? <laughs> well, and, and it is. That's that's why I like the model because mm-hmm. we can do the analysis. Mm-hmm. We can kind of give the business owner a perspective on where they are. And then, you know, maybe a year later, mm-hmm. they've kind of been through the, the good and the bad with that processor. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, maybe it is worth changing at this point because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bad is, is, much more significant than the good. Mm-hmm. What I what I love about what you do, Jim, and you and I have talked about this before, like I don't tend to be cost sensitive and I try to like teach my business owners not to be cost sensitive because then they're cost sensitive to like their services that like provide them value, right? Because then they're looking at, well, how much do I pay my accountant? How much do I pay my lawyers? How much do I pay my people? Like those are not the costs you want to cut. The costs you're talking about are commodities, really, right? And there's people clamoring for your business in those areas because it doesn't cost them a lot to give you that service or to give you the, you know, to deliver, you know, the internet or whatever, right? Like a lot of their, their, they get a lot, it's a high profit, they're high profit, low dollar a lot of the time, you know, they're low dollar generally to the business, but it's high profit to the business. So it's not like there's a service that goes with it that really like impacts your business, right? A lot of the things you guys work with is really more commoditized things, right? It's not like actual people on the other side, <laughs> you know, that are like working directly with your business. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you used a great, a great term, commoditized. Because they are a commodity, um, one, they don't get looked at often by the business owner. And two, um, there's there's a lot of options out there. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason we pick these categories also is, you know, there's there's a, a wide variety of vendors that provide that service in most markets. Um, and, you know, the other thing that, that we try to emphasize with our clients is let us spend the time and energy working on it. So you can do the things that you do best, right? And then I'm violin money stuff. <laughs> right. So, you know, and and um and we don't we don't require a lot of the clients time to do our work, right? Mm-hmm. Just give us access to the billing information. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. And then, you know, maybe 15 minutes to hear our spiel on what we've come together with on a okay. recommendation. Um and then, you know. Once a month, we send them a report that says, guess what? This is what you're saving. This is what we told you would save. This is what you are saving. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't this great? And if yeah. you have we can go that. through them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, we're just all about that over here, which is like putting more money in our business owner's pockets, right? Through our own expertise. You right. know, we do it through tax savings and now we're doing it through employee rigid and credits and, you know, you're doing it through cost savings. Yeah, and it's um, you know the 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 thing that we find with our clients over time is um, <laughs> they they didn't realize how much money they were wasting. Right, we mm-hmm. we have a whole um, kind of marketing spiel around you know burning up your hard earned cash, right? Um, and it and it's true, right? And they they just um, they they just don't really realize it because they've never 
paid close attention to it. And then when they see it on the report, mm -hmm. and it's actually being realized on their invoices. Mm -hmm. um, they're sometimes shocked that it's, it's real. I can tell you where mine all go. Mine all goes to new shiny happy apps that I like sign up for once and use for like two minutes, and then I'm like, oh, I'll learn how to do that later. Right. <laughs> and then I see the costs come through every month, and I'm like, oh, I should probably cancel that. Oh, but I have other things to do. <laughs> well, and you know, how many people sign up for e-signature solutions like DocuSign, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, oh well, and I need all these features, and I need all these cool things, right? And and they they use it, mm -hmm. but they don't. They're paying for all these features that they they don't mm -hmm. actually use, right? So that's a great app, if you will, that is bright yeah. and shiny and cool. And then they realize, wow. I actually had an experience last week when the somebody was using DocuSign but not using the security features, and they sent me something from somebody else for somebody else. Nope. <laughs> and I was like, it's got my name on it, and I open it, and I was like, this is not for me. I am not in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it would have been really good if you had put some I was going to say that would have been on this thing. You know, and it's like, you know, we get the top level security option all, all usually, but like not all businesses not all businesses need that. You know, my coaches don't need that. They just send me stuff through PandaDoc or something, you know, something cheaper because it's not doesn't have, you know, secure requirements. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But if you have the features, use them, please. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this, this guy, I was like, um, I don't think this is for me. He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we've, um, we've been able to do is, because we work with this stuff all the time, is when clients encounter that, that kind of mm -hmm. oops, mm -hmm. um, you know, we can help them and guide them through how to, how to you know, upgrade or how to downgrade or, you know, so, so it's not, it's not a one-time event with us, I think is the point is, you know, it's an ongoing um, consultative relationship that, you know, lives beyond the initial analysis. Um, too many businesses do, you know, RFPs or they put, you know, services out to bid thinking it's a cost savings opportunity, but they only look at it once and then they're done. And all of a sudden a year later, they're paying as much as they were more before they put the services out to bid. Yeah, I really think the new theme of the podcast is like pay attention to all your things. Like, you know, like we have to work on the business too. Um, and these are all things that we can do if we have time for that, right? Like if we make time for that. Um, and we can watch our costs and we can, you know, know what we're using and we can create efficiencies and we can do all that if we are paying attention, right? Um, but I do understand as entrepreneurs, a lot of the time we're just working in our high, you know, what we're the best at <laughs> now over some like, you know, or like the reason we went into business and then we're like, oh crap, we're business owners. <laughs> I have to work in the business and on the business and figure out how to balance all of that. And it's exhausting. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and, you know, as you know, if you have some trusted advisors that mm -hmm. you can work with and partner with, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's what helps those business owners you know, sleep at night, mm -hmm. right? It's, they have people that they can trust that they can, if you want to use the word outsource it to, or, mm -hmm. you know, just have them handle it for them. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, they can spend the time doing what the stuff that they initially want to do when they started the business. Yeah, I love it. 
Um, how is the pandemic? And we can probably this is like going to be the next half of the podcast. But um, how has the pandemic changed costs for businesses? Well, so interestingly enough, I think during the pandemic, um, costs for the most part stayed stable, or they even went down, mm -hmm. right? Um, but if you can call us in the post-pandemic world right now, um, they've gone Relatively. up. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so the, the cost of raw materials clearly has gone up. If, if you look at anything from lumber to, to tape, um, uh, to paint, um, anything from a raw materials perspective has gone up. And I think it's rolled over into other things like labor um, and real estate. I mean, for those people that think that, you know, their rent was high before the pandemic, it's going up, um, you know, if you ask anyone in that, in that sector, costs of rents, whether they be residential or commercial is, is going to go up. So I'm watching I, the houses around us sell, like even before COVID. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? And now I'm watching them go up. I mean, they're sold before they go up and that's been happening for a while here in Denver. But I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's in so- Your 800 square foot shoe box on no land that really just needs to be scraped. That'll be $3 million, please. It's ridiculous. And, and Crazy. so for us here in Denver, right, we're seeing that and you, you used to think, well, it's crazy in Silicon Valley or it's mm -hmm. crazy in Manhattan or it's crazy in these other, you know, major metropolitan areas. Well, welcome to Colorado. Because it's crazy too. Yeah. Um, and, and you see it, you know, in the commercial space as well, you know, buildings are selling for ridiculous amounts of money. Um, apartment buildings are selling for, you know, three or $400,000 a unit. Jeez. See that deal? Yeah. Did you see the Palomino Park deal? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to put that in your Google, it's Palomino Park. It's a um, it's a really large apartment community um, here in the South Metro area. Literally, it's like I'm doing this because it's like <laughs> you can. I don't see. think I, I can see it from here. It's like two miles from here, um, and it just sold for. Was it $3 billion? It was uh, some, it some, madness. Yeah. It had a B in it. Yeah. So, there was so, a B. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I couldn't believe it because, you know, you, you've been seeing things that are, you know, 12 unit complexes selling for $17 million or, you know, 100 unit complexes selling for $400 million. And then you see a B in it and you're like, Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it is nuts. I don't know if I can find it, but um, it's just bunkers. Yeah, housing's bunkers right now. Um, and the supply issues. My husband, my husband's a mechanical engineer, and every time he turns around, they've got more supply issues, and he's going down and making sure that that whatever supply that they could get was like, you know, and it's always something like, I mean, obviously the container ships can be stuck in places, you know. Um, or I know like we have railroad issues, which is why a lot of the thing, well, there's a ton of the container ships in the LA ports right now that can't put, get, you know, drop their stuff off, drop their supplies. Right. But like, it's like a fire or an ice storm or like, it's like all these like disasters instead of just like, oh, it's a supply issue, you know, like it just can't get here. 
And, it, you know, and the, the hard part for businesses is there's indirect costs associated mm -hmm. with that too, right? So I have a construction client, they can't get, you know, raw materials for the construction project. So the project takes longer to complete, which increases their cost. Um, it, it impacts their bonuses for finishing the project on time or early. Um, you know, so there's all those kind of costs that, that people don't recognize as being you know, this, this additional cost of doing business because of the su supply chain and delivery issues on raw materials and other, you know, essentials for doing business. Yeah, it's just, it's not. Well, I mean, Watts is, I mean, we have restaurants, you know, that are like, I, we can't buy gloves to do our prep. You know, like they're like our, you know, our cost for PPE is like 12 times what it was last year. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you still can't get it, which is surprising just because, you know, you would think at this point there'd be a surplus sitting somewhere but um, and, and we actually saw that in during the pandemic, you know, from a cost perspective is um, businesses that didn't used to have to have PPE mm -hmm. or have, have to do, a, you know, find a, um, um, a secure way of getting rid of that. Right. Because um, it is um, kind of sensitive. It's mm -hmm. medical waste, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so we saw businesses see a cost increase just to, to buy it and then how to dispose of it, um, right? So mm -hmm. that's hopefully something that they're past at this point. Yeah, and then just all the cleaning costs and, you know, wild. Um, what other, so I know, I mean, just the accounting industry, right? So we, like you said, we all have Zoom now. I had Zoom before because we're virtual. But, you know, there was this whole, like, especially the accounting industry, I'm watching everybody be like, how do we do this stuff remotely? I'm like, well, you need a secure portal and you need teleconferencing and you need, you know, kind of here's your list of things. Here's some options that, you know, we use. Um, but, you know, the software solutions and like all of that, I know a lot of those, you know, like I said, new shiny apps, that's kind of my thing. But, you know, a lot of those things we just buy, right? We don't even think about it. We just throw our card in because we're using it as a business. Um, and really going through those costs and really looking at them, you know, to see, oh, are we even using this app anymore? You know? Yeah. Um, but with the pandemic, it's kind of shifted, right? So it's a lot. So it might be, you know, maybe we need less supplies of this, but we need more you know, technological solutions and security solutions um, yeah. for our technology. So, um, so a couple of things to, to think about there. One is um, just as a general view of kind of the pre-pandemic, during the pandemic and post-pandemic, when we look mm -hmm. at, at the cost um, basis, if you will, we try to look at all three, mm -hmm. uh, right? If we can, right? Because you look at a pre-pandemic, you're like, this is business as usual. You look at it during the pandemic to see how you changed and shifted in those cost categories and then post to know how much of what you had before the pandemic you still need, how much of what you added during the pandemic you still need. And then, you know, what's the balance that you want to have going forward? So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the starting point, if you will, if you look at Kind of establishing the basis mm -hmm. and then then the technology piece of it the as a service piece of it is something that 
um, we're putting a lot more emphasis on today. Um, and we look at it in terms of kind of unit costs, um, if you will, right? So, um, you know, so most of the bright, shiny apps that you buy anymore, you can buy as a service. So you mm -hmm. buy it per user or you buy it for the number of hours or, you know, that per user of. per month usually. Right. Yeah. So if it's per user per month and you bought, I don't know, 50 licenses mm -hmm. because you thought you needed it for 50 of your employees and then 25 of those are back in the office and they're not using it as a per license anymore. They're using it as a bulk service that you're paying for, mm -hmm. you know, part of the office, that's the, that's the anal that's part of the analysis work that we're going to do is we're going to not only look at the actual cost that you're paying, but mm -hmm. what are the unit costs associated with it as it relates to the number of users? Yeah. Right? So, that makes sense. And, then, and then the features, right. That go with it. So mm -hmm. how many bright, shiny apps with the bright, shiny features do you really need and use? Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, as it is looking at a phone bill, mm -hmm. right? I say that because I've looked at phone bills, but, you know, I mean, think about it. How many phone lines do you Raise have? Raise your hand with the last time you've actually looked at your phone bill. <laughs> right, right. It's like the same, like it's the same number of people who reconcile their bank account. So their personal bank accounts, right? Yeah, so <laughs> None of us. Very few, right? But there, there are still phone bills out there. And mm -hmm. so you, know, you look at it and try to oversimplify it that same way, right? Mm -hmm. you, what are the things that are on there? And do you actually look at it? Because if you don't, then you don't know what you're paying for. Mm -hmm. At the end of the month, if it's the same amount that you paid last month, mm -hmm. then you think it's okay. If it's less, then it's even better. And if it's a little more, you're like, oh, well, that's okay. It's just yeah. a little Um, I, I kind of want to talk about pricing because I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation. Um, during the pandemic, it seems like it, I mean, if my clients and like in our industry and everything, everybody was very resistant to price increases. Like we've changed our business models. We've changed how we're helping people. Like every time I turn around, I'm listening, I'm, you know, I'm learning new pandemic tax legislation, you know, and people are just like, well, you can't raise prices right now. Um, I think that's going to be even harder post pandemic because everybody's, I think, I feel like everybody's more cost sensitive now. Are you yeah. finding that to be true? I, well, so, um, so they're definitely more cost sensitive right now um, because they're seeing they're seeing and realizing and feeling the cost increases that are actually showing up in their you know right up there in their face. So those top line cost categories that um, that they do pay attention to every day, things like labor and taxes and real estate and you know um, cost of goods sold. Um, so yeah, I mean we we definitely are seeing their their sensitivity to it and. Part of what um, uh, part of what we're trying to bring attention to with with our clients and prospects is the fact that it's not just those big ticket items that those those smaller ticket less um, recognized costs are are also going up um, and and I don't think there's any hesitancy from service providers across the board to increase prices now because they didn't do it during the pandemic mm -hmm. and other like. I either have to, to try to make up for the profitability that I lost over the last 18 months, mm -hmm. or frankly, you know, to say it any other way, I can't, I can, right? Mm -hmm. As a service provider, I can increase my costs because mm -hmm. people really need it where over the last 18 months, maybe they didn't need it as much or they could live without it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, without it. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, I just, I, I like to just pay attention to what's going on in my industry and the event industry. And, you know, I'm just watching a lot of the time, you know, about, you know, how people feel about pricing and how are they changing pricing? And there's, you know, there's been a, you know, a lot of loud people like you can't raise prices on your clients. I'm like, do you guys know how many sets of tax legislation we had to apply this last year? Five sets. And I'm learning about this last set still, (laughs) right? It's like one of those things that like happened in the middle of the tax season. So I learned what I needed to learn. Now I'm learning about the rest of it, but this stuff is going to have ramifications throughout the next couple of years. I mean, I don't know if you're in the U.S., the advanced child tax credit, the advances start going out this week. People had five days to opt out because the portal went up on the IRS. People had five days to opt out. They had to opt out by yesterday. And the portal went up last week. (laughs) So like, it's real-time changes that we have to keep up with so that our clients know what to do. Um, It's a lot of, you know, our industry is not used to being this reactive, but I had to learn how to PPP loans work. And I now I'm just, you know, we're spending a lot of time helping our clients with employee retention credits now because we can go all the way back to 2020 with these things now (laughs) and before we couldn't. And it's like, we have to be on top and reactive in a way that really is full year service, which is what my industry is not used to doing. This is how I've always operated, but it's not what our industry is used to doing. And uh, have you um, have you seen a lot of your clients um, uh, want to move forward with those employee retention credits? Mm-hmm. Actively pursuing them, or um, they're not actively pursuing. They're not actively pursuing them. We're coming to the client and saying. You know, our, you know, our clients months ago, I said, this is now an option. If you want us to look at it, let us know for you. Right. And I'm actually kind of going through and making sure I think we got everybody as well. Again, we have a boutique firm. I can go through each client and be like, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, maybe I should double check with them. Um, So I can do that because I have a boutique size firm. The other thing we just did today um, as we just put out a ton of information on the employee retention credit, mostly for for our niches because they are the they are the um, they're the ones that are probably missing them, or they are the ones that qualify under the governmental orders piece, which is huge. It's a huge amount of dollars to qualify for if you can qualify under that, because a lot of our businesses, a lot of businesses made more money, so they're not going to qualify. So there's two things they have to qualify. It's under the governmental orders, they had partial, partial shutdown of operations, which could look like literally anything, one less dental share that they can have people in, um, or gross receipts tests. So I, we have a, um, a coffee shop that we, that we were working with. Um, they made more money in 2021, more money in 2020 than they've ever made because everybody was home coming to the coffee shop to get their coffee. Oh, right. <laughs> because they, they're in a little neighborhood and there's some office buildings and stuff too, but yeah. they made more money. And they're like, well, we don't qualify. I'm like, you were shut down on governmental orders for like six months. I think they mm-hmm. ended up with like 120 grand in credits. Wow. wow. I just did one for another client for the first quarter um, for 2021. They have three full-time employees and one part-time employee, 21 grand. And um, do you do you need to work just with your clients? Um, no, no. So no, we just 
we just actually spun up a whole offering on this. Um, if you're listening to this, you can go to the um, to our website backslash ERC, do a download. It's an eligibility tool that I created where people, it's just super simplified. I did everything I could to make it as simple as possible. There's a lot of ways you can qualify, but super simple to see, do we, could we qualify and how much could we potentially qualify for so that we can, you know, then people can know, okay, I do want to, you know, proper analysis. Um, and we have um, a payroll company, a couple of payroll companies we're working with on the back end to help us process all these. But we want to get this money in clients' hands. We want to get them in people's hands, in the industry's hands, because it's free money. Right. Yeah. It's well, and they can invest it back into their business and yes. more services to their customers. And, and move faster towards their goals. Yeah. You so, know? Yeah. I mean, it's, ter- it's terrific. And, and that's why I ask, because, you know, there's, there's enough people that I run into, whether they're clients of mine or, or just people that I'm talking to that I think, again, like I ran into with our services, they're just too busy doing mm-hmm. what they're doing every day and they don't think they have enough time or, or energy yeah. to go pursue it, right? So if someone can help yeah. them with it, it's a, it's a big yeah. problem. And honestly, and you know, it's, it's funny because I kind of struggled with like, are we offering things for PPP loans? It's like, is that something we want to like really work on with people? Um, and we decided not to do that for a lot of reasons. The big reason being they were consistently changing and I just didn't know which way was up. And that creates a lot of liability for us. But also like, then we don't know if we can properly help everybody. You know, like every time like I turn around, you know, something's wrong with the one I just did or whatever. So that one was a hard one. But with the employee retention credits, um, it's pretty established. Um, it's pretty, you know, once we sit down and like create a process, it's pretty, pretty, you know, easy to apply to, to the businesses. Um, and people know if they were shut down or if there was restrictions that needed to happen, you know, I don't have to determine any of that. Um, you know, the big thing with the employee retention credits, and I could probably talk about this all day because I just think it's something that a lot of people are missing. Um, is that the original legislation didn't let you take PPP loans and do the employer retention credits. They changed all of that at the beginning of this year. So you can now do both. You can't do it on the same amount of payroll, but you can do both. So we're doing credits all the way back to 2020 now because the IRS likes to do a retroactive because Congress likes to do retroactive stuff to us. (laughs) But, you know, like that restaurant or the coffee shop, they got a PPP loan. And then they qualified it for like 80 grand in an employer retention credit for 2020. Yeah, that's great. They're expanding their business, Yeah, right? They're moving faster towards their goals because we have these options that people aren't, they just don't know about, you know, they don't know that they qualify for them. So, yeah. yeah, it's huge. You know, we can always spend money in tax strategies. That's, that's my jam. That's what I like to do. Where do you want to go? How do we get you there with those tax strategies? And you can always spend money in cost, but this is just like a check from the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, there's a lot less rigmarole than there is with PPP loans. Um, it's just, it's available money. You know, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the, um, the benefit that we, we try to communicate, you know, to our clients as well as right, you know, there's money sitting on the table there for you mm-hmm. right? and we can go find it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and now you can go spend it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Like, the, the equipment, a party, shiny new apps, um, you know, what, whatever. Another vet. 
Yeah. What, what do you want? You want Fridays off? All right, go go get somebody you know to do Fridays. Like, what do you want in your business today? How can we get you the dollars to make it happen? You know, and I just think that's it's so powerful, and that's why I, you know, I'm like stoked to work with the employee retention credit because it's it will directly impact the goals of business owners. You know, it's not just oh, I'm going to survive. We could now do something now that now that they've survived mm-hmm. to hit thrive. You yeah. know, help our you know help people just you know have some security to get through the next you know whatever six months or whatever until things feel a little more normal. And hopefully be on that projection they were on before COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Path to wherever, you know, Mm -hmm. they wanted to be that, that got interrupted for a while, but now they're back on it or they're, or they're there Mm -hmm. and they're going to the next step um, Mm -hmm. that they expected to be at. um, So. And I I love how you said, you know, like last year was kind of like, kind of iffy, like people didn't, you know, we're, we're, a lot of us were just in hyper survival mode, I think, in many aspects. We had kids home, we had spouses home, we had we were dealing with, you know, death and pandemics, and it was just a whole mess. But I feel like everybody's kind of like coming out of the hidey hole and they're looking around and looking at their business and like if the pandemic didn't tell you what you wanted out of your business, you know, like that's the time. Now is the time to look back and be like, well, what needs to be different? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it certainly exposed a lot of warts. I mean, in a lot of places, right? Not just Mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurial businesses and Mm -hmm. small businesses, but across the spectrum in the world. And, you know, those words showed up and hopefully we've learned from them and uh, Mm -hmm. we keep them from coming back or we minimize the number that we have going forward. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a, you know, a reversion to normal. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think we do need to take these lessons. Um, and that's what I was saying from the beginning. This is an opportunity. Like, I know it's scary and I was scared and I had my own panic attacks and the whole thing, but like, I'm also looking for opportunity um, because nothing changes us faster than those things. If we move towards it, right. So I was looking for opportunity, opportunity for our clients. How do we, you know, how do we make the industry better? How to all of those things, because that's what I'm passionate about is changing this industry from scarcity ah, to, you know, how can we help people? How can we create opportunity? And did you see with your clients um, that they pivoted during COVID, right? They created mm-hmm. a new revenue stream or a new mm-hmm. business or a new product or a new offering, right? Mm-hmm. And now that they're kind of post-pandemic, they're, they're generally their historic business has now come back to some level of normalcy, Mm -hmm. but they also had this new pivoted business that they created. And so those two together are significantly larger Mm -hmm. than, than the single business was before the pandemic. I mean, have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the clients that took the opportunities to implement something that they've been wanting to implement or implement something that is more online or whatever. So like, I know you know, there's a ton of veterinarians. We have a couple that did, um, that did some telemed, you know, decided to spend a telemed option. Um, they're still doing that. Still works great. Um, you know, so now they have the ability to see patients quicker, faster, and it doesn't always have to be the doc. Uh-huh. Right. So like we can utilize staff better to telemedicine. Um, you know, our, our businesses that, you know, like the coffee shop, you know, they never had online ordering then they now have online ordering. Um, one of our favorite Mexican restaurants, I still can't figure out why they didn't implement online ordering, but they got a food truck. (laughs) Like guys, 
online ordering. <laughs> you still have to call and wait forever, but the food is so good, nobody cares. Um, the businesses who took the opportunity to, to adopt things that they knew they wanted to adopt anyway, that, that, that were gonna live long, you know, longer than just you know, in-person businesses, they're yeah. thriving. Yeah. Yeah, we, we saw the same thing. I mean, just the, the idea that you needed to move to survive and then, mm -hmm. you know, that whole new business continued to, to thrive along with the old one that's mm -hmm. coming back is, you know, accelerated their recovery. And again, mm -hmm. that trajectory that they were on that they didn't even know that they would be on Eighteen months ago, when when this all started, so uh, yeah. I mean, if you just look at the number of people who have adopted, like Clicklist or Uber Eats, or you know, the people that are just like the people that were like staunchly like, no, I will go pick up my takeout. Mm -hmm. Are now like, eh, I'll pay for delivery. <laughs> you know, because there are things that we use during the pandemic that make our life easier. Absolutely, yeah. And we're gonna make room for those because they're, you know. I always, always going to do the Chipotle thing where I'm like, I made dinner. <laughs> My son just laughs at me. I was like, Chipotle's on its way. He's like, goofball. <laughs> but I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do stuff. <laughs> right. You know, like, because we had to find ways to, to thrive, to eat, to do, you know, a lot of us cooked at home again, but now we do HelloFresh. We started doing HelloFresh in January this year and we love it. And the kids cook it. And is it cheap? Nope, not at all. But we have fresh home cooked meals way more often because of HelloFresh. And yeah. then it's less mental energy to figure out what are we eating? What are the ingredients? How I have it? Just grab the bag and go prep it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, we did the same. So we, you know, <laughs> we used all, all the available resources out there. Um, yeah, I love it. I, you know, I think a lot of us did that. And now we all get to look back and go, like, okay, great. But, what are we keeping and you know, what do we really want to start doing again? Most people are not saying, Oh, I can't wait to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was the only place you ever went to. Right. Right. I didn't ever go because my husband goes. No. <laughs> now he's going to go to the grocery store. I'm like, mm, mm -mm. people, there's people grocery there. Store and a liquor store. Yes. That one. Well, our grocery store is our liquor store. So yeah. all in one. Um, all right, Jim, before I ask my last question, what is the easiest way for people to find you? Um, you know, probably on, uh, I was going to tell them to email me, but so, so I have a splash page. So uh, it's, it's Schooly Mitchell um, mm -hmm. forward slash Jim Kiernan mm -hmm. um, or, you know, email, which is Jim Kiernan at schoolymitchell.com. Mm -hmm. You can drop uh, all those in the description boxes. Yeah. So either one of those, um, or, you know, the, the same plain old telephone, um, which is 303-881-9389. See, I always feel like people that do that are so, 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 so brave. Yeah. Well, you know, I have also, a, don't call me, <laughs> but I've also never been a salesperson in a corporate corporate setting. So, you know, it's always you guys are like, eh, just call me. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, no, I don't know who that is. <laughs> All right. Um, so last question for you. What is the first step a business should take to identify their top costs? Well, I mean, I think they really should be working with a partner like yourself mm -hmm. or their bookkeeper, right? That Because 
frankly, they're going to be the best resources to help with identifying those costs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, if you're looking for the first step, that's the first step, I, I think, that any business owner should take. Proper bookkeeping um, is always the first step. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even an accountant, even though I have a degree in accounting. Um, How do you? I didn't know that. <laughs> so um, I don't share that very often, but so I, you know, I, I think that's that's critical to it, right? And if you yeah. don't have those partners, then that's the first step you need to take, which is get one of those partners, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, and after that, then it's you know listen to your partner on where they're identifying where those costs are, um, and then look for specialists like us or or other people um, that specialize in helping with those costs. Yeah. So the first step is to know what your costs are. Right. right. And then the next step is to, you know, look at them and be like, I wonder if there's something that could be done with these ones. I think yeah. the credit card one is, I mean, you know, waste and all of that, just kind of depending on what kind of business you have, you know, they might be a lower, higher or whatever. And you might look at it and be like, yeah, and I pay like one quarter, you know, but like the credit card one, that's really that big one. A lot, you know, especially for a lot of us service, you know, virtual service businesses, you know, almost everything we do is debit credit. Absolutely. And, and by the way, that one also, you can save money, whether you're big or small. Mm -hmm. right? So, um, I mean, some of my smallest clients, we save the most for percentage, mm -hmm. right? Because they didn't think it was something that they could lower. Mm -hmm. The people that spend a huge amounts of money, tens of millions of dollars through credit card processing, mm -hmm. generally they're aware of that cost, um, yeah. So, you know, there's still have procurement companies. They, they have their procurement people watching those costs. <laughs> so there's still savings opportunities there, but they're not um, often realized at the same rate as someone who be, may be spending less and not realize mm -hmm. that they can save money. Awesome. All right, Jim, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It was You're terrific welcome. speaking with you and catching up some. And yeah, it's good to see you. Um, so we may have to do it in a non-virtual way at some point in the future. Maybe soon. We're, we're, we're getting closer to that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.